Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Well, if you're there in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, I'd ask that you stand uh, for the reading of God's word here, if you're willing and able. We're just going to read uh, a few verses, some well-known verses uh, in Scripture, but Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to read verses 12 through 16. The Bible says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, Let's ask the Lord to bless this time together real quick, and then uh, I'll have you be seated, and we'll get right into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for another opportunity that we have to meet together. Lord, whether it's uh, here in person or online, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to hear from you. And God, we pray that you truly would speak to us tonight. Lord, I recognize, as your word says, I can do no thing without you. And so, God, I ask for your grace and your strength as I speak. I pray that the words would come from my mouth, Lord, but that they would flow from your heart as we see what you have for us in your word. And, God, we pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Now, as I read this passage uh, of scripture just in my Bible reading a few days ago uh, in my personal time with the Lord, uh, that last line in our passage really stood out to me. Uh, the, the line that says, Finding, or, find grace to help in time of need. Uh, to help in time of need. The reason it stood out to me was because of those last few words. Uh, in time of need. I don't know if anyone today listening, whether you're here or online, has noticed recently, but it seems like our world and our nation is kind of in a time of need right now. Um, and everyone I meet and everyone I talk to seems to also just themselves personally be in a time of need. They, they need peace. They need answers. They, they need good news. <laughs> they need justice. They need hope. Uh, things that they, they feel they need. And everyone just seems to be in a time of need. But the more I started to really think about it, uh, the more I realized that really we are always in a time of need, always. Uh, at least I am. I, I, I need love. I, I need forgiveness. I need patience. I need rest. Uh, I need peace and quiet sometimes, you know. I just am always uh, in a time of need. And sometimes one can feel like uh, we will never be able to have our own needs met because uh, we're busy having to take care of other people's needs. Uh, anyone with children might understand what that feels like. Not me. I love my children, so they're never a burden to me. But, <laughs> but uh, sometimes you could just feel like, oh, man, am, am I going to uh, get my needs met because I, I'm uh, continuously outpouring and helping to see the needs of others? Pastors can feel that way at times. They spend so much time investing in others and helping helping to meet other people's needs, uh, that they feel that their needs might not 
get met. And really, I think all of us can feel that way at times. But the truth is that at all times, we have needs. We, we have needs. And sometimes, uh, I feel like we get a false idea about God in thinking that once we get saved or once we get serious in our relationship with him, that he's just going to make all needs go away. Uh, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But uh, it doesn't mean that we're never going to have wants or we're never going to have needs. Uh, you see, the truth is this, that, uh, uh, that each and every one of us that know Christ, we really, we have the same needs uh, as those who don't know Christ. The, the difference, though, is that we uh, have access to somebody who can actually meet those needs. Uh, for example, we have the same need uh, as unbelievers for approval. Uh, we have that need within us, but now instead of trying to get it from another human, uh, we're, we're able to get it from the Lord, the one who created us and has a purpose for us, uh, the one who can truly give us the approval that we're searching for and that we're needing. And really, there are so many examples. Uh, but the, the final statement in our passage stood out to me uh, because it said, in time of need. But then it stood out to me for another reason, because we're always in a time of need. But the, that line also mentions the one thing that I believe as Christians we are always in need of, grace. We are always in need of grace. And there are two types of grace, God's saving grace, which we receive when we accept his gift of salvation, right? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that's the grace that's talking about his saving grace in that passage. But our passage tonight is talking about another type of grace. It's his enabling grace. It's a, it's a grace that enables you to live how he wants you to live. Uh, if I could say it this way, God's enabling grace is exactly what you need to live the Christian life. That's what his enabling grace is. Exactly what you need to live the Christian life. So what this last statement in our passage is stating is that Christ has exactly what you need when you need it. He has exactly what you need, grace, whenever you need it. Always. <laughs> he, he has it. And I believe that our text tonight illustrates very well that whatever you need, Jesus is. Whatever you need, Jesus is. And tonight I want to just take a, a, a quick moment and answer really two, guard, uh, two questions regarding this topic. And the first would be this, how can Jesus give me exactly what I need? How do I know that Jesus truly can give me exactly what I need? And the second would be this, how do I receive what I need from Jesus? Okay, if he truly is everything that I need, how do I know he has what I need? And, and how do I get what I need from him? Those two questions. And so looking at that first question, uh, how, uh, how can Jesus uh, give me exactly what I need? Uh, how, how can I get, how can you receive, or how can Jesus give to you exactly what you need? And I, I think that we see it very quickly through uh, three different points in the passage. And the first of all is he can do so because he knows you. He can give you exactly what he needs, because, or exactly what you need, because he knows you. Verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, there's so much we could unpack in just that short statement and really from our entire passage tonight. And, and we're really only going to scratch the surface of it with these next few moments, but, but I want to dive into that verse quickly. The, the Bible is quick, it says. The word of God is quick, used throughout. The word quick means it's alive. 
It's living. And we see uh, that word quick used throughout our, our King James Bible in that way uh, several times. I believe it's 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 when Paul writing to Timothy says, I charge thee therefore before God. Uh, and, and then he goes on to say, who shall judge the quick and the dead? And the, uh, the comparison there is dead and quick means alive, the alive and the dead. And I think it's in Ephesians chapter 2 that he says, and you hath he quickened or made alive uh, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so that word quick just means it's alive. God's word, scripture, is a living book. And then it says it's powerful. I don't think we really have to sit on that word for too long to understand what it means. It has power. God's word has power. Uh, And then we see it says... Scripture is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, it doesn't mean literally, all right? How do we know that? Well, we... Leo, come up here. Okay, you ready for this? Okay, are we on the same page tonight? Okay, it doesn't mean literally. You can go ahead and sit down. It doesn't mean literally, so what does it mean? It's a metaphor that's, that's specifically saying this. It's saying... It goes deeper than your skin, okay? It goes deeper than your skin. It says it goes to your, uh, to your soul, to your spirit. And it says it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents or the motives of your heart. Now, that's so interesting to me because uh, I, I know some of you, you're you seeing the point, he knows you, and you're like, okay, well, uh, where, where is this verse pointing to the fact that God knows me? I, I hope you'll stick with me. Because the Greek word there, translated discerner, it's the Greek word kritikos. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Kritikos. What does that sound like to you? Kritikos. Critique, or where we get our English word critic. All right, so... Uh, uh, stay with me. What does a critic do? He critiques. All right. Now, what do they critique? Whatever they're a critic of. Are you still with me? Okay. We're, we're not going to get too deep tonight, but home critics, they critique homes. Okay. Okay. There's gaming critics, hotel critics, arts critics, movie critics, and my dream go- job, food critic. I would love to be a food critic. I mean, <laughs> Come on. So a home critic critiques homes. A movie critic critiques movies. And you guys are sharp tonight. And a food critic critiques food, all right? Uh, now let me ask you something. What makes them qualified to be a critic of that very thing that they critique? It's this, knowledge or expertise, knowing that particular area. Uh, a movie critic can critique movies. Why? Because he knows movies. A food critic can critique food because he knows food. And on goes the list, art critics, home critics. Why? Because they know that particular subject. And I know there's a saying today, everyone's a critic, because in today's world, everyone thinks they know everything. But when it really comes down to it, a critic gets the job of critic because of their knowledge in that area. So then let me ask you this. How can God and his word critique, be a critic, or discern your thoughts and intents of your heart? Maybe because he knows you. You are his area of expertise. He knows you and he knows your heart. 
God's word knows you inside and out. God knows what you really think about yourself. He knows what's a facade. He knows what makes you tick, what ticks you off. He, he knows what you need and what you simply want. He knows what will satisfy you and what will simply just leave you hanging. Uh, he knows all of that. He knows you. So the first point, so how can Jesus be all that I need? Well, first of all, he knows you. And then second, I see in verse 13, he sees. Neither is there any creature. He knows you and he sees you. Verse 13, it says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. The idea here is that we're not in God's peripheral. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you're watching kids, whether it's your own or in a classroom or whatever the case might be, and you are making sure that all of the kids are kind of, you can see them all, uh, but some of that includes kids who are just kind of in your peripheral vision, especially the bigger the play area that you're watching. Uh, and you know the general location of those kids, but you can't actually see what they're doing. And because of this, some things go unnoticed by us. Uh, sometimes those kids are doing things they're not supposed to, like going to the bathroom outside when they're supposed to do that inside, or, uh, or getting in fights with other kids, or sometimes a kid gets hurt and you don't know what happened. Uh, and I can tell by the way some of you are nodding your head, you know what I'm saying, that uh, that's happened to you. You uh, know what I'm talking about. We miss something because we let them out of our sight, but not with God. Verse 13 tells us that no creature is hidden. That word's not, not manifest, it means hidden. So it's saying no creature is hidden from the sight of God. And the word sight there literally means in front of one's face or in the presence of. Okay, so every single one of us are a priority to God. Every single one of us uh, are in his sight. We aren't in his peripheral. We're, we're right in his line of sight. We're what he's focusing on each and every one of us. And then the verse goes on to explain just how much of us God sees. Verse 13 continues, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That means to the one who we will give account to. That word naked uh, just means really what it says. No amount of layers that we try to hide under, no facade that we try to put on, no mask we try to wear is going to keep God from seeing us. We are completely bare before him. And then it uses the word opened. And the word gives the connotation of flaying or skinning an animal and taking all of the hide off. Uh, you see what's underneath the outer shell of the animal. And even so with God, he, he peers into the inmost secrets of our heart. Man can only judge us by our outward appearance, by our actions and, and by our words. But God can see our motives behind each one of those things. And that's, that's a sobering thought. Uh, the, that's a convicting thought. In fact, the writer of Hebrews here comes to that conclusion pretty quickly afterward when in verse 14 he says, so uh, seeing that we have a great high priest, let us hold fast to our profession. He's saying, seeing as this is all true, that God, we need every single bit of us to the deepest part of us. We need to make sure to keep the faith. We need to remain faithful. We need to stay steadfast. But the fact that God sees everything doesn't only have to be a convicting thought. It can also be an encouraging thought. Why? Well, because he sees everything. He sees every situation that you are going through. He sees every single thing that's said about you. 
He sees the desires of your heart. He, he sees the hurt inside that you hide, keep so, hidden so well from everyone else. He, he sees the longing for love in your heart. He sees the tears that fall in the darkness of your bedroom. He sees your broken heart. He sees your struggle to have faith. He sees uh, your grief. He sees all of it. He sees it. Well, why is that encouraging? Because you can only fix a problem if you see it. And that's why our confidence isn't in man, because we can only fix problems that we see, and we can't see everything. But you know who can? God. And so if you can only fix a problem if you see it, and God can see every single problem, how many problems does that mean he can fix? Every single one of them. So how can Christ be everything that I need? Well, one, he knows you. Two, he sees you. And then I see number three, he's been right where you are. He's been there. Verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this, uh, this verse quoted or mentioned before. It's a great verse that communicates an amazing truth about our Savior. He knows what your pain feels like. He knows what your sorrow feels like. He knows what that temptation looks like. And he knows all of this because he went through it all himself. If you're anything like me, if I can be transparent with you, growing up, I always heard that verse and kind of questioned it. Well, Jesus didn't really go through everything that I've gone through. How could he? He only lived here for a little over 30 years, so... He hasn't gone through everything, but as I've grown in the Lord and as I've read through Scripture, I have not yet been able to find a single thing I've gone through that I don't see that Jesus went through it as well. Um, Have you ever invested and invested in someone's life only to have them walk away from you? Jesus did. Judas betrayed him after all that Jesus did to try to invest into him. Have you ever had family misunderstand you and treat you poorly? Jesus did. You can read about it in John chapter 7. His own brothers didn't even believe in him as the Messiah at the time. Have people come after you for things that you didn't even do? Man, that happened to Jesus countless times. At one point, the Pharisees were ready to stone him. In John chapter 8 and John chapter 10, both uh, two times that they were ready to stone him. And ultimately, he was crucified for crimes that he had not committed. Have you ever lost a friend and hurt in your heart for that loss and for the family? I think of the story of Lazarus and how Jesus wept. And even there in John chapter 11, I think it's verse 36, the people that saw it said, man, he loved Lazarus. You you can find that there. Have you ever lost a family member? There's there's evidence in Scripture to suggest that Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, died in an early stage in his life. We could go on and on with examples. He was, he was accused of being evil in Matthew 12 and Mark 3 when the Pharisees tried to say that he was doing miracles in Satan's power. He knows what it's like to live under an overreaching government. Just read Matthew chapter 23 and the response of the people about taxes. If you read Luke 13, uh, people were warning him about Herod Antipas and, and, and his trying to just kill anyone who uh, might come to the throne and, and was warned that, man, if he hears you teaching this, he's going to kill you, Jesus. And uh, he did things for people all the time with, with no thanks given in return. I think of Luke 17 when he healed the ten lepers and nine of them didn't even return to say thank you. Again, on and on the list could go. The point is this. 
How can Jesus give me exactly what I need right now? Because he's been right where I am right now. He knows what I need because he knew what he needed when he faced that. And the best part is he can actually give it to us. Because the next part of the verse says, He went through everything that we go through, and yet he did it all without sinning. He did it all without sinning. He had the trials, but he never let it change his attitude for the worse. He had the temptations, but he always overcame them with the word of God. He had the fear, but he never let the fear overcome his faith in the Father's will. He did all, went all through everything that we've gone through, yet without sin. He lived without sin, showing us as the perfect example that what we go through and what comes at us does not have to bring us down. In fact, what we go through can and should bring us closer to the Father, bring us closer to God. Jesus showed us that. So, so how do we know that Jesus can give us exactly what, he, what we need? Well, because he, he knows us. He knows you. He sees you. And he's been right where you are. So then, if we understand how he can be everything that we need and, and can give us everything that we need, then the question would be this. Well, then how do I receive what I need from him? If he has it, how do I receive what I need from Jesus? It's simple. Verse 16 tells us we come to him. We come to him. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He simply wants us to come to him and ask him. And the principle is found, out through, uh, found all throughout Scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And Luke 11, he says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. For, for everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. He wants us to come to him and ask. Why? Because he knows what we need. He sees what we need. He knows what it feels like to need that. And on top of all of that, he actually has and is what we need. So come to him. He's the provider, the sustainer. He, he is love. He is life. He's comfort for those who need comforted. He's salvation. He is hope. He's a rock for those who need stability. He's truth for all who are searching for it. Uh, he is all of these things. If you need a friend right now, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If, if you need parental love right now because your father and mother have forsaken you, the Lord, your heavenly father, will pick you up, it says. If you need peace, then let your request be made known unto God, and he will give you peace that passes all understanding. For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever you need, Jesus is. So come to him. And he what I'm so glad about is that he has what we need and he never runs out of it. His, his resources are not limited. I, I once came up to a Taco Bell drive-thru in Georgia, which, if you know me, is nothing unusual. I love me some Taco Bell. But this particular trip was not as wonderful or magical as most trips to Taco Bell. And here's why. It all started by, first of all, having the longest drive through line I have ever been in at any time. Uh, and what made it even more impressive of how long this line was, was it was almost midnight. 
and there were probably 30 to 40 cars in line for Taco Bell. But we really wanted Taco Bell because we still had an hour and a half to drive to the camp we were working at, and we needed some, something to keep us awake on the road because camp started bright and early the next morning. But, but the line wasn't the worst part. When we finally got to the menu board to order our food, uh, I started to say my order. It, it was the same order, order that I had always got for the longest time. I said, I'll take a number seven chicken quesadilla with fire sauce and a large Baja Blast, no ice. All right? It was just like rehearsed. I pull up. They didn't even have to say, welcome to Taco Bell. I just, number seven chicken quesadilla, just right, right in, going to the spiel every single time. But then the most surprising words I'd ever heard at a Taco Bell came out of the intercom. Sir, I'm sorry to inform you that we are out of all taco shells. Would you like us to replace the taco in your meal with some chips and queso? I said, what? Out of tacos? This is Taco Bell. If you don't have tacos, you're just a bell. (laughs) And no one wants to eat a bell. Tried. Long story. Don't ask. But it's just not tasty. What do you mean you don't have tacos? But if, if I really have to, I guess I'll take chips and queso. But... Then he started to speak again. Sir, we also don't have any sauces at the moment. Uh, I, gave the, I gave the guy a pretty hard time for it, but, you know, I can eat a quesadilla without fire sauce. So I was like, okay, I'll let this one slide. But he wasn't done. Uh, sir, we, we also don't have any Baja Blast. We ran out yesterday. At this point, I was half expecting the guy to come back and say, sir, this is a Wendy's. Because, I mean, come on. Does a Taco Bell not have tacos or Baja Blast? But I pulled up to the window to pay. I definitely gave all the workers a hard time. One of the workers, I remember even saying, we're sorry, sir, the truck's coming tomorrow. And my sarcastic self said, you don't need a truck. You need taco shells and Baja Blast. I mean, what is a truck going to do? But they all laughed and we left. Well, needless to say, the the meal was kind of disappointing, which just goes to show me that truly only Jesus will never fail us if Taco Bell can even fail and so they'd feel, it was disappointing. It is disappointing. Why? Well, because I had to drink brisk iced tea. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why. Uh, but it, it was disappointing because I didn't get the things I asked for, right? They ran out was the reason. You know, I'm so glad that never happens with God. I'm so glad that never happens. If I need forgiveness today, he has it there for me. And if I mess up tomorrow, which I probably will, and I need forgiveness tomorrow, he still has it there for me. He continues to have love to give. He always has some to give. Why? Well, because Jesus knows you. He sees you. And he's been right where you are. So boldly go to him and ask him for what you need. Go to him. Because whatever you need, Jesus is. And he wants to give it to you. So won't you come to him today and ask him for just that And tomorrow, the grace you need, would you just go to him boldly and ask for it again? And then the next hour, because let's be honest, this isn't a daily thing. This is like a minute-by-minute thing, especially if you work with coworkers in a secular workplace. Uh, It's an hourly, a minute-by-minute thing. Lord, I need your grace. And go boldly to the throne and ask him for it. Because whatever you need, strength, comfort, peace, all of it, Jesus is. So go and ask him for it. Thank you so much for listening to this message. 
If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.